Hello and welcome to episode 140 of the e-commerce coffee break podcast. In this episode, I talk with Leo Abbott about paid traffic options for e-commerce merchants. So let's get started. But first a shout out to our sponsor, Bundle Builder. Join thousands of Shopify entrepreneurs that use Bundle Builder to create custom product bundles that turn browsers into buyers and dramatically increases average order values. Install Bundle Builder today and get a free 30-day trial plus an onboarding call to help get you set up for success. Simply visit www.bundlebuilder.app or click the link in the show notes. This is the e-commerce coffee break, the podcast dedicated to Shopify store owners who want to optimize their business for maximum conversions and revenue. Each week, you're going to get actionable advice and hear from special guests talking about various topics on how to run a profitable business on Shopify. Learn how to survive in the fast-changing e-commerce world with your host, Klaus Lauter, and get e-commerce insights you can't Google. Welcome to the show. Hello and welcome to another episode of the e-commerce coffee break. A huge topic that we have not had on the podcast for a while is traffic. Now, having all the apps, all the AI in the world on your website doesn't help you if you have the visitors, you have the traffic to your store, to your website. So that's a topic we want to talk about today. And we want to find out what are the biggest traffic mistakes people have. We're talking about cold traffic, warm traffic, all of this. With me on the show today is Leo Abbott. He's the founder and president of Exat Click Digital, a boutique agency specializing in paid ads management. Leo began his career as a certified public accountant at Deloitte in Phoenix, Arizona, and in 2007, he founded Exact Click Digital in his hometown of Knoxville, Tennessee. Since founding Exact Click Digital, Leo and his team have helped dozens of brands drive over 1 billion conversions through paid advertising. So he definitely knows what he's talking about. So let's welcome Leo to the show. Hi, Leo. How are you today? Great, Klaus. Excited to be here. Leo, a lot of things have happened in the last 18 months when it comes to paid traffic. Started with iOS 14 and everything that happened then to Facebook and Google is sort of on the same train or on the same track and changing things. So literally things will not become easier. So traffic is out there, tons of traffic. The traffic always has been there. Catching the traffic has become more difficult. Give a bit of an overview from your perspective, what you think has happened and what's going to happen in the next couple of months. You pointed out the iOS 14 update. That was kind of the initial salvo on this change regarding you know, privacy, which of course impacts attribution massively. And that's really the issue for people like me and the people that I work with. Like you point out, traffic is there. It's just what is converting and what is not, because no one wants to pay for traffic that doesn't convert or doesn't drive the action they need. And if you don't have proper attribution, well, it's like, how do you manage that effectively? So iOS 14 had a tremendous impact on attributes. It kind of forced Facebook into a situation they didn't want to be in, where they are forced to model conversion. Okay. So. They can't actually tell you with 100% certainty whether someone did an action that they think they did if that person flowed through the iOS. So if they're using their iPhone, right, or an iPad. So that creates some ambiguity. It forces Facebook to try to piece it together other ways in their modeling conversion data because they have to. Now, there are ways to kind of mitigate that risk for the advertiser on whether they're modeling it correctly or not. And we could talk about that if you'd like, but on the broader context, you ask the question of where is this going? Google is actually headed to the same place. They put out a guide just a few months ago talking about, can't remember the term they used for it. It's a new form of tracking, but basically said the same thing. It's kind of buried in this 30-page report. And they said, this is going to lead us toward model conversion. 
which is the same thing basically today. And at first I was very surprised. I thought, why would Google push for this? You'd think they would use this as a differentiator to say, hey, we're not monolith. You know, we're more accurate than Facebook is. But instead of changing Chrome privacy settings so you won't be able to, within you know, a year or two or something, you won't be able to track conversions the same way you used to. And I think the reason is because they like this position where they can kind of take credit for whatever they want to take credit for. You know what I mean? So if they say, hey, we're modeling it. It's basically saying we're not accountable. We can kind of say, hey, we think we're converting this much for you, even if they maybe aren't, right? But that is where the industry is headed. Okay, very good point that you mentioned that obviously they are claiming the traffic is coming from them as a good reason that you spend more money on the platform. I think that's the main purpose there. Now, when it comes to the attribution model, a lot of merchants or a lot of platforms trying to go a sort of a different way and third-party cookie falling away. Now we're going into first-party cookies and then really on a server-based landscape on the whole thing. That's a lot of technology for small and medium business to implement and to get their head around on how that works. What's your experience? What's happening there right now? Yeah, so that it does introduce complexity. It makes the ad platforms further out of reach for the most basic users, right? Google and Facebook, they try to cater the intro user, people that are beginning or they don't have the money to pay someone like me, right? Problem is when they add this complexity, it makes that even further out of reach for those people. But, you know, really, I don't even think you necessarily need a third party tracker. I think the better approach is, especially if, you know, you're trying to keep it a lean advertising operation is rely on UTM codes. Because what that'll give you is the data inside of Google Analytics where you can see the actual click traffic and the click conversion. Okay, now, you don't get the visibility on view-through, but view-through was always kind of nebulous anyway, right? We never really were sure with view-through data. Is it really driving the conversions or would those people have converted anyway? What most advertisers or brand owners especially care about is what did the clickers do? Did they come to my website and convert? And you can really solve that problem with UTM codes without worrying too much about any kind of complicated third-party track. Okay. Interesting topic there with UTM codes working with that. And I want to know a little bit more on how you do that. So obviously, it's multi-touch nowadays. It's omni-channel marketing, multi-touch. And somebody who sees your ad on one platform does not necessarily buy theirs, but goes all the way and buys from somewhere else. How do you do the attribution there? I mean, you had like 1 million conversions tracked. What's your experience? What's the best way to find out where's actually the first point of contact and where do they convert? Did someone see your website on Facebook and then go to Google and stare at you? And then did they come in through an organic link or did they come in paid ad itself? Or they do all three of those, right? It's a kind of find a way to break those up. And that's why I think if you rely on the UTM code, let it flow through Google Analytics, you you get some of that visibility. There will always be an open question. There will always be that question of how many touches did they get and which one really drove the results. Even if the last one got the lion's share of the distribution, was it really the one at the front end that drove that conversion? Part of that is just getting a sense for where your traffic is coming from and knowing that, okay, if I'm getting most of my traffic through Facebook, my initial traffic, I should say, even if I see further conversions down the funnel coming from Google, but I'm not driving as much data as there, that's a good indication that Facebook's the primary driver. Another way is just looking at engagement. If the traffic from Facebook spends more on time on the site, if they view more pages, if they tend to add things to the cart at a higher rate, those are all indications that that traffic is of a higher value. And there are also metrics within Google Analytics. They call it value per page visit or value per page click, something like that. And it'll say, 
you know, for all the revenue that came through, the, or all the traffic that came through this source from Facebook ads or Google ads, whatever that the source is, we tracked X number of dollars. So we're going to divide those two and give you kind of a value per page from that source. And that's a really important metric to get a really clear picture of, okay, look, you know, looking at the law of averages, I'm getting a higher return on my ads made out of Facebook versus Google or organic or whatever. Okay. I want to take one step back and have a bit of a broader view. With Exactic Digital, you are a boutique marketing agency. And how does your strategy apply to warm traffic, cold traffic? How do you blend that in? And now a quick break to thank the sponsor of today's episode, Bundle Builder. With over five years in the Shopify App Store, Bundle Builder is the OG bundling app for Shopify stores. Get creative with custom product kits and gift boxes. Let your customers choose the bundle contents for a personalized experience or set up pre-built bundles. One click and it's in the cart. Use the powerful discount engine to create offers and deals like percentage, fixed or tiered discounts and set rules with conditions. Bundle Builder will sync your inventory in ways that work for your business with single or multi-skew options available. Install Bundle Builder in the App Store today and get a free 30-day trial plus a free onboarding call to help you to get your store set up for success. Simply visit www.bundlebuilder.app or click the link in the show notes. And now let's get back to the show. That's a really important question when it comes to paid ads because of course you have cold traffic. Everybody wants to scale. The only way you scale is with cold traffic, right? It has to be people that don't know you exist. And you have your warm traffic, people within your funnel already know who you are. And they maybe bought from you before, or they maybe are just getting acquainted. So there are a lot of important ways to make sure you're maximizing the returns from both of those market segments. I always encourage people, you start from the bottom of the funnel and you build up from there. It does not make sense if you think of like pouring liquid into a funnel. And if the funnel has leaks and holes all over it, and you, you're just pouring in the top, you're going to lose a lot of stuff on the sides, right? So you clean up the funnel first. And the way you do that is you start with the people most interested, and that's people who have added to the cart, but they didn't buy, or it's people who have bought from you before, or it's people who have shown a high level of engagement recently. Someone that added to the cart and abandoned it six months ago and hasn't been back to the site, they're not that valuable to you, right? But if they did that five days ago, they're very valuable. Because you've got a really, you're in that window where they're thinking about it, they're serious. Can you close that gap? So you build out a funnel around that group of people and you build up from there. Okay, so if you compare that group I just mentioned to someone who has maybe engaged with you on social media or maybe they browse at the page or two on your site, they're higher up that funnel, right? They're not as deep, but they're still showing engagement. They're still showing interest. So you don't ignore them. But you don't assign as much value to the people up here in your funnel as you do people down here in your funnel. And that's really the key. You have to think of every set of eyeballs anywhere along that funnel as having a value. They are worth something to you on the average. Okay? Not all of them will convert, but on the average, they're going to be worth something to you. So you have to figure what that value is, and then you maximize the results within that part of your funnel all the way down. Once that's clean, once you know the funnel, the ads funnel is converting well, it's driving the return you need it to drive. Now you can pour stuff into the top, right? Because you pour that cold traffic in, they're going to need multiple touches and they're going to need to go through an ads funnel that's clean and tight and very effective. And that's how you maximize your top of funnel traffic. Really, you do it by making sure your middle and bottom of funnel traffic are 
good and clean and strong. No, it makes perfect sense. When it comes to spending money on paid ads, specifically in the e-commerce space, Shopify areas, what's your experience in regards of budgeting? Because um, paid advertising is getting more and more expensive. The good times like six, seven years ago when there was Teespring around and the conversion was like two, three dollars, these are over and they will not come back. What should be like the minimum average order value or in that range where it really makes sense to spend money on ads? Yeah. Good question. So it's the average order value or AOV has a huge impact on your ads results. You mentioned Teespring, right? So if you're selling t-shirts and your AOV is like 14 bucks or something, you're going to have a really tough It's just really, really hard. As you mentioned, those $2 and $3 conversions are gone and will never return. Now we might see a dip in ad costs over the next year or so, I think possibly, but it won't be like what you just pointed out, right? So you have to find a way to raise the average order value. Really, it's kind of like minimum, if you kind of earn that $50 range, you have a pretty good shot at making things work. But obviously, the higher the better. Now, we actually specialize in e-commerce stores that have higher AOV than average. So anything that's in like that two to $300 plus range, we have a really good system built around that because we know how to make it work on Facebook as especially. And the reason is you get kind of these economies of scale. The ad costs are, even if you're selling a $50 thing or a $300 thing, you may not see much of a difference in the ad costs. And if your conversion rate is relatively close, right, between those two, then you're going to make out like a bandit with an AOV at $200 to $300 versus $50. Okay. So it has a huge impact. It's not everything. Margins, of course, are important. You can, of course, improve on messaging, some targeting and stuff like that. But yeah, it makes my job for someone like me, it makes it a lot easier if you have a healthy average order value and a healthy margin backing it up to give room to play and find what's going to work. Yeah. Google came up with Google Performance Max a while ago. I see something similar, and correct me if I'm wrong, in Facebook right now. They have like Advantage Shopping Plus or something like that. Give me an overview. What do you think are these AI tools that sort of should make it easier for a user doing the ads by himself compared to a manual setup? Where are the advantages and disadvantages? Yeah, well, both platforms are heavily, heavily pushing. The disadvantage of not using their so-called smart campaigns in a sense swimming against the current. Okay, so Facebook and Google both, they want more of that traffic. They favor, in a sense, campaigns that are they're using them. And it's not that every account we use sees better performance with those campaigns, but I will say like two years ago, Almost none of my clients did better with smart campaigns versus manual. It's kind of flipped now. It's now that almost none of my clients are better with manual versus smart campaigns. So the smart campaigns are getting better. They're getting more and more effective. There's still nuance in it. Shockingly, you know, you think, okay, it's a smart campaign. I can just like set it up and let it run. That's not really true. There's still quite a bit of nuance. Even within smart campaigns, you can test different kind of mini objectives within it and that can have a huge impact on the result. So I think that will always exist to a degree. As hard as they will try to simplify things, overall, it's a good thing to simplify, but there will always be nuance to it. There will always be ways to improve it and test it, modify it in a way that, that's going to make, make it better than if you just use kind of the out-of-the-box solution. But I don't see that trend reversing anytime soon. I think these smart campaigns are just getting started going to continue to shift that way. Okay. I'm a big fan of diversification of your ad spend. Obviously, there are the two big ones. There's Google ads, there's Facebook ads, and there's others there. What's your experience there? How would you split for one of your customers, the brands that you work with, their ad spend on not only these two platforms, but maybe also others? And if yes, 
which platforms would you prefer there? In my experience, far and away, the best you're going to get, you're most likely to succeed there and get the returns you want compared to others. And it depends a little bit on who your target demographic is, like TikTok or Snapchat, for example, tends to be a much younger demographic. If that's your demo, yeah, you should be on there and try to find ways to make it work. If it's not, I would not push it unless you are really maximizing Google and Facebook already. And you've got a good kind of creative behind you that is kind of tailored, for example, for TikTok, right? It will depend a lot on demographic, whereas Facebook and Google, it doesn't really matter what your demographic is. They're on both those channels, right? And Twitter, I actually think Twitter might be starting to turn a corner. And historically, it's just been horrific for like conversion focus. It's been more of kind of a branding or awareness thing. It's just, hey, I've got ad dollars and I want to say it. I'm on all the major channels, they'll throw some budget towards Twitter, right? But I think that might actually shift. They actually have a demographic that's more in line with kind of the older crowd, the more people that seem to have more money, disposable income. So I think you might see some ad dollars shift there. It's really kind of Google and Facebook, kind of dark horse candidate is the right word. But I think people minimize the importance of being on Microsoft slash Bing. It's not that it's going to make your day or make your quarter, but it's a steady kind of mar- or incremental source for traffic and conversions that people discount, especially if you have an older demographic. It tends to be older and older people have a lot of disposable income. So if that's your demographic and you're not advertising on Bing slash Microsoft, then probably a missed opportunity for some low-hanging fruit. Again, you're not going to make anybody's day or quarter by getting them on Bing. But it's just steady kind of convertible chat. Yeah, I think that's a gold nugget that you gave away. Bing for a long time, sort of a hidden secret. It won't make you rich, but again, every dollar counts. So you definitely should have a look into it. I understand that exactly digital is a boutique agency. A lot of persons that I speak with, they have at some point in their business been burned by agencies in one way or the other. Where do you differentiate through a normal agency model? I appreciate you asking that. And I see that all the time. We do a lot of audits. You know, people will come and say, can you look at what's going on in the account? Tell us if this is the good, the bad, the ugly, all of that. And sometimes I'm amazed when we see an account run by even very expensive agencies. I think it comes down to people that just do not care. Right. You have someone running the ad account that is, you're just a number to them, or they're just checking off boxes. They're not really thinking about your account. That tends to happen with bigger agencies, right? You're dealing with a lot of turnover. You might get moves from one account manager to the next. Sometimes you don't even realize you've been moved. But on the other side, you have freelancers. And if I had to choose personally, I would lean towards freelancers. The downside to freelancers is that they only have so much time today, right? They tend to get overworked. It's hard for them to turn down new work because they're a freelancer and that impacts their bottom line. A lot of it goes straight to the bottom line. So they tend to get spread thin. They might take on more clients than they need to or should or can't. So I try to kind of strike a middle path between. I quarterback all of my client accounts. I know every single one of my clients, what their needs are, what their objectives are, and how their accounts are doing. But I have staff that help me implement. And so I think that's kind of a nice middle ground that we've carved out. And I know that that will limit kind of our top end growth. I'm personally okay with that. It's a strategic decision that we've made to make sure that I'm the industry vet. I've been doing it almost 15 years now. So you can really leverage my knowledge and my understanding, but I can then leverage my knowledge and understanding by having people behind me that will implement the things in the way that I want them implemented and still get the results my clients want. So we're kind of the best of both worlds is we pitch it and perceive it. You get the scale of an agency, but you get the personal touch and high quality knowledge of a free. 
Okay. Yeah. Doing this for 15 years, real time is like 90 years in internet years. So that's a long right. time. <laughs> Where can people find out more about Exactly Digital and what you provide? Yeah. Go to my website, exactlydigital.com. You can obviously book a call if you'd like. I also have some free guides there. There are two of them. One is the top five mistakes your digital marketer is probably making. And the other one is how to audit your digital marketer. Okay, so if you just want to know, how's my digital marketer doing? You just don't even know where to look. It's a very simple five or six lessons. They're short videos, about five minutes long each. It'll show you exactly where to look, things you want to watch out for, red flags. Now, if you get in there and do that, your digital marketer is checking off all those boxes. Congratulations, you're one of the luxury ones. You might want to hang on to that digital marketer. But if not, give us a call. We'd be happy to chat. We could do a more in-depth audit. We'll show you the good, the bad, the ugly. We'll be totally honest with you and let you know how we can or cannot help you. So yes, go to exactclickdigital.com and you can book that call there or download or watch those guides. Okay, I will definitely look into the guides myself. I want to know where I'm standing there. So that's something I do. I will put the links in the show notes as always and you're just one click away. Leo, thanks so much for giving an overview about what's happening right now in the world of paid advertising. I think we can agree that we are always chasing a moving target there. It never gets boring. It's always changing. I hope that some people will, when they listen to this episode, go to your website, download the guides and get some more value out of that. Great. Thanks, Klaus. Thanks so much for your time. Have a great day. You too. Don't forget to visit the sponsor of today's episode, Bundle Builder. Join thousands of Shopify entrepreneurs that use Bundle Builder to create custom product bundles that turn browsers into buyers and dramatically increases average order values. Install Bundle Builder today and get a free 30-day trial plus an onboarding call to help get you set up for success. Simply visit www.bundlebuilder.app or click the link in the show notes. Hey, Klaus here. Before you go, I would like to invite you to become part of the e-commerce merchant pro community to get actionable advice from other Shopify merchants who already have achieved what you are aiming for. Our community is a safe place to actively grow your online retail business with the support of the most amazing and helpful group of e-commerce entrepreneurs behind you. Running a Shopify business is tough. Don't do it alone. Join us now. It's free. You will find the link in the show notes. Also, if you think your online store has conversion or marketing issues and you would like to have a fresh set of eyes on your business, then drop me an email at klaus at klauslauter.com and let me know a little bit about your business. It might be beneficial for you to have me look over your store, offers, emails and ads and get an unbiased outside perspective and guidance to help you mo make most of your online business. And finally, if you enjoy the show, please rate and review in the app that you're listening so that I can get bigger and more impactful guests on the podcast. Thank you as always for tuning in today. I appreciate you until next time and I talk to you soon.